Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approach data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. a very persistent and stubborn toddler. And my husband and I used to joke all the time saying, oh, we don't negotiate with terrorists in reference to the many, many discussions and arguments we would have with our daughter. And then I started to realize, oh, wait, we do negotiate with terrorists. And she wins because she's way better negotiating than we are. This whole kind of toddler, terrible twos, which for me, the terrible twos really hit at the end of her being two. It hit at like 18 months, but then it also hit at the very end of her being two. It really came to a head right before her third birthday when we had a 90-minute tantrum on the way to daycare. And I was at my wits end. My husband keeps telling me he wished he had a video of this. I wanted to scream so much, but I just like laid on the floor in desperation because I didn't know what else to do because we were almost out the door before this 90 minute tantrum started. She had her hat on, her backpack on, coat ready to go. And then like most toddlers, something popped in her mind that she wanted. And I tried to put my foot down and pick the battle and Having the special ed and BCBA background 
almost shoots me in the foot because I overthink everything and I think, dang it, I should, I should know how to do this. But oh my goodness, is it so much harder when it's your own kid? Well, long story short, in this 90-minute tantrum, she won. She left our house so proud of herself. She had like a bag of Cheerios. She brought her her pillow and her home baby with her to school. She had some other type of snack. Like she got everything and then some before going to daycare that morning. And she was so proud of herself. And I lost. Like I lost big time. And my husband and I were both exhausted before the day even started. And we both said, we're like, we have to talk about this because how did this get to be such a big problem seemingly out of nowhere? And that's where sometimes these behavior problems happen. They kind of creep up slowly. We give in here, we negotiate there, we ignore that behavior, we let the whining go. And then it's like a slippery slope until all of a sudden there's a 90-minute tantrum over bringing your pillow to school. And you're like, oh, crap, what do I do now? So let's talk about the role the parent and the teacher plays in this because it's all about the parent and the teacher because it's our fault. We're the ones that cause these behaviors because remember – The only behavior you have complete control of is your own. You are in control of how you react, how you respond, what you say in these situations. And our responses have shaped up these bigger behaviors. And the same goes for a parent of a toddler or a special ed teacher or a parent of a kid with special needs. All behavior is behavior. So for me with my toddler, these small kind of negotiations that we were doing started to shape up these bigger, badder behaviors. And the reason we as parents were negotiating and we were giving in and we were ignoring is because it's easier in the moment. It's easier in that moment to give in and move on. Think about the like classic kid in the candy aisle example. The kid asks for a candy bar. Mom is going shopping. She's tired. She's got a bunch of food to get. Kid asks for the candy bar again. Then he starts whining. Then he starts yelling. Soon he is like starfish in the middle of the grocery store aisle screaming his head off. And all the poor parent wants to do is get the heck out of that store. So what does she do? She gives him the candy bar and moves on because you just want to get through that activity, right? We have to do it. We have to have to move on. And giving the candy bar in that moment is reinforcing for the mom's behavior of giving in because the tantrum stopped. But it's also reinforcing to the kid's tantrum because they learned that, hey, in order to get a candy bar, I shouldn't even bother asking or whining. I should go right to the meltdown. So it's kind of done two pretty dangerous things because it reinforces the parents giving in and it reinforces the kid's bigger, louder, badder behavior. So we need to be careful of this in how our responses are shaping up these behaviors. So teachers, think about in your classroom the last time there was maybe the start of a bigger behavior or something that you thought might lead to more intense behavior. It is easier in that moment to give in if it's a, you know, not using the exact replacement behavior or some type of screaming and then just giving the iPad anyways, because it avoids 
the bigger behavior. And for our response of giving the iPad, of giving the attention, of giving the break, it's reinforcing to whatever we did to keep doing that again and again. Because remember, reinforcement is something positive that happens after a behavior that makes us want to do it again in the future. So by giving a kid that is whining an iPad and then the whining stops and it's quiet, we're like, oh, okay, that was positive. Maybe next time he whines, I'll give him the iPad. We think that's not a big deal, but it's that slippery slope. Soon over time, the whining escalates to yelling. The yelling could escalate to aggression. And in the meantime, we've done our kids such a disservice by not teaching them a pro-social communicative way to ask for what they want. We've only now taught them this repertoire of negative behaviors. And we've done that. We've taught that. So it's important to recognize that our responses are being reinforced in these moments. And that's okay. That's just natural. But identify that and beware of that because we want to make sure we're not shaping up these behaviors. So what do we do instead? So the first step is always figuring out the why. Every behavior has a purpose. Every behavior is communicating something. And in order to get to the bottom of this and cause any type of behavior change, you have to figure out the why. And this goes for all behaviors, whether you're a child or an adult, whether you have a disability, whether you don't have have a disability, all behavior is communication. And it kind of falls into four major categories. And they don't have to fall only in one because life's not simple. There's lots of gray area and everything. So the four categories of why a behavior occurs are attention, escape, sensory, and tangible. So attention would be any behavior that results in a response from another person. Attention doesn't mean necessarily positive attention. It could mean negative attention. I mean, think of a lot of teenagers that you know. A lot of teenagers engage in behaviors to get that lecture from the teacher or get the lecture from the parents. That is type of attention is reinforcing. Escape is, re- is a removal or a change of environment. So whether it's escaping an activity, escaping a social situation, getting out of an overwhelming sensory situation, we engage in escape behaviors all the time. Think about the last time someone called you that you didn't want to talk to. What did you do? You pressed decline. You escaped that call. We engage in a lot of escape behaviors. Another behavior is sensory. Another function of behavior is sensory function. So that's something that feels good internally, whether it's twirling your hair or scratching your back or engaging in different sensory behaviors that we see some of our students on the spectrum do, maybe like twirling or flapping your hands. Something about that feels good internally. And then tangible function. So to gain access to an item, whether that's the iPad or food, we are doing something to get an item. So when I go to the Starbucks drive-thru and I ask for my grande coffee and they give it to me, asking for that grande coffee is reinforced by getting the coffee in my hand. So all of our behavior falls into one or multiple of these categories. And I'm going to link a few blog posts related to this idea in the show notes as well. So we have to figure out first off why the behavior is happening. Is this behavior to access something? Is it to get a break? Is it to get your attention? 
then you have to teach a re- appropriate replacement behavior, whether that's asking, whether that's raising your hand, whether that's using an AAC device or a visual. Again, replacement behaviors are a huge topic I could spend a lot of time talking about. I'm going to link a few blog posts in the show notes as well. But I wanted to touch on this because it's important to acknowledge that we need to give our kids a new positive communicative way to access what they want. By engaging in negative behaviors to get what they want, they're telling us that, hey, I don't have a better way to ask for this. So instead of shaping up and teach and reinforcing that negative behavior by giving in and negotiating, we want to teach a new positive replacement behavior. And overall, we want to avoid that tug of war. We want to walk away. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When my husband and I were dealing with these meltdowns with my toddler and we said, okay, we've got to deal with this after our 90-minute tantrum day, I made my husband read a chapter in a book, which is a very teachery and BCBA thing to do. The book is called The Power of Positive Parenting by Glenn Latham, and I'll link it in the show notes. And they have a really great chapter about tantruming and talks about the function of tantruming and how to deal with it in the moment. So I, yes, I had him read this chapter in the book before we talked about it because it talked about the idea of identifying the why of the tantrum, teaching that replacement behavior, and then walking away. And the phrase that they quote in the book, which we use now all the time with my daughter, and maybe sometimes I use it with Matt when he's annoying as well, is when you act this way, you don't get to be around me. So that's what the author recommends saying that when the tantrum starts or when those precursors starts, you put the onus on them and their behavior and that they've made a choice. When you act this way, you don't get to be around me. Because remember, your attention should and likely is a reinforcer for your kids and for your students. I talk a lot about being the chocolate chip cookie. And if you've read the posts about this on my website or heard me talk about this on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. But the analogy is that you want to be a chocolate chip cookie because who doesn't love a chocolate chip cookie? I would eat a chocolate chip cookie every day if I could. But if you and your classroom are a chocolate chip cookie, then your students are going to want to be around you all the time. And the other side of that is, is that removal of your attention is going to be aversive. It's going to stink. They want to be around you. You are a chocolate chip cookie. And when you say you don't get to be around me right now or when you turn your back or you walk away, that's powerful. But it's only powerful if you're a chocolate chip cookie, if you are reinforcing. So that's why that chocolate chip cookie analogy that I talk about a lot is so important and really holds true when it comes to behavior change. Okay, enough about chocolate chip cookies making me hungry. So after we identify the why of the behavior, so remember that's for attention, for escape, for a sensory reason, for a tangible, 
Then you teach that replacement behavior, another way to get attention, another way to get a break, another way to get the iPad. And then avoid that tug of war. Walk away. You can use that saying like I am. When you act this way, you don't get to be around me. If it is safe, meaning if the behavior does not escalate really high or is not a danger to the student or others, let that behavior play out. And that might take a while. And that's okay. Because in this moment, you want to teach that these behaviors, one, do not get the reinforcer that it was looking for. These behaviors do not result in a break. These behaviors do not result in extra iPad time. And two, these behaviors do not get my attention. Because in negotiating, yes, you might not be giving them exactly what they wanted from the start, but now you're giving them all of your attention. And that was the problem that we were running into with my toddler. When she would want something and it would result in a big meltdown when we said no, we were feeling like maybe we were doing the right thing because, well, she asked for, you know, the iPad and we didn't give her the iPad. Yeah, but she got like a popsicle and she got to watch a show and she got to bring her blankie to school. She got all of these other great things and she got to talk about it with us for like 40 minutes in this heated, argumental, meltdownish way. So yeah, she didn't get that main thing, but the negotiating and our attention in the back and forth was reinforcing and then she got other stuff instead. And that's what happens in those negotiations. We're like, hey, well, instead of this, why don't you take that? And we're talking about it. And if you're a chocolate chip cookie, that talk and that back and forth is going to be reinforcing. So by just walking away and saying, hey, when you act like that, you don't get to be around me right now. I'm removing my attention from you. Then that can be really powerful. But again, obviously making sure that it's safe and checking with teachers, BCBAs, all that good stuff before trying anything like that. You also want to be sure that in these moments of bigger, badder behaviors or meltdowns or tantrums, that you are responding, not reacting. And I have a link that I'm going to put in the show notes to one of my mini video training series where I talk about developing a crisis plan. And I think a crisis plan is so critical to have in every single classroom because you will avoid the reaction. And the reaction is all emotion and it's not planned. It's not thought out. And the reaction feels good in the moment. Yelling, snapping, um, you know, kind of just going just off emotion. It just feels good in that moment, but it doesn't do anything to cause behavior change. It actually might be doing the opposite of what you intended. It might be counterproductive. The behavior might have been for attention and by you yelling or snapping, you're going to be providing a ton of attention. But that emotional response might feel good to you in the moment, but it might cause the behavior to increase. It might escalate the behavior because yelling really rarely makes a situation better. But we do it because it releases steam. Something about that to us internally is a sensory behavior and feels good. So avoid those emotional reactions in the moment and try to respond in a thoughtful way that doesn't shape up these negative behaviors. So after we figure out why the behavior is occurring and start to teach the child a new positive way to communicate that why, 
the shift totally goes off the child. And then we need to look at the way we are responding, the teacher, the parent. It's all about you. It's all about how you respond in the moment. You are the one that can change the behavior. How you respond and react will shape or decrease or increase the student and child's behaviors. And in this moment, the details matter. How and when you respond and how consistent you are is really important. So maybe you were like me thinking, oh no, I don't negotiate. You know, I give my rules and I give my requests and that's it. I I stand firm on what I say. But be honest with yourself. Are you letting those little things slide by? Is it becoming a slippery slope where you're giving in here and you're negotiating there and you're ignoring a behavior there? It happens. And it happens because giving in is reinforcing. When you give the iPad or you give your attention or you give a break to that inappropriate behavior, the behavior stops. It's like magic and you get to move on with your day. So in that moment, it feels like a good thing, but you are doing that child and yourself a huge disservice because you are not teaching that child a positive way to communicate what they want. Instead, you are teaching them that their negative behaviors will result in getting them something awesome. So guess what? They're going to continue to use those negative behaviors. And those negative behaviors might have to be amped up day after day. So they're going to learn the most efficient, baddest way to get what they want. So not only is this child not learning new skills, but you are ensuring for yourself that those negative behaviors continue. So identify those areas in your team and in yourself as a parent or a teacher where you are negotiating, where you are letting things slide and start to stand firm. Use the phrase, when you act this way, you don't get to be around me. If you followed my advice in the start of the year and you made yourself a chocolate chip cookie, that phrase will be powerful and it should be because it's a naturally occurring consequence. When you act a certain way, you don't get awesome things. That's how life is. So you will start teaching your student and your child these essential life skills while promoting positive behavior change. Did you know that two out of three teachers turn to Teachers Pay Teachers for educational resources? As a seller on TPT, this makes me so excited. I love seeing educators turn to other educators for support in their classrooms. There are so many great resources on Teachers Pay Teachers. And this could be made even better if we could involve school budgets in this process. Enter TPT for Schools. TPT for Schools makes it easy for administrators and teachers to collaborate when making curricular decisions. TPT helps you set up a way of using school funds for these resources. This is a new program and there's already over 5,000 schools registered. In the special ed world, this is even more important because we don't have that many resources and the resources that are provided for us might not be so appropriate for our class. To learn more about TPT for Schools, visit schools.teacherspayteachers.com. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, 
My goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.